Disciples give themselves fully. We're told in verse 25 at the beginning, large crowds were travelling with Jesus. And of course religion draws a crowd, doesn't it? And Jesus was quite a celebrity at this point. He's creating quite a stir. He had his fan club, if you like. Healing diseases and casting out demons. But there's a world of difference between travelling with Jesus and being a disciple. Verse 25. Turning to the large crowds, Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus says, he must be our first love. He must be the ultimate preoccupation of our lives. And he appeals to the normal, natural human affections to make the point here. Mother, father, brother, sister. Now let's be clear, Jesus isn't saying we should love our families less. I mean, after all, Jesus is the one who said, love your enemies. Jesus is the one who says to husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Jesus is the one who says, love your neighbour as yourself. No, Jesus would have us love our families more. But... He's saying that our love for him must be most to that more. The question he's asking is, do you feel within you a love for Jesus that makes him first above all natural affections, above all other loves? You feel that in your heart for Jesus. And the word hate just shows how much we are to put him first. Our love for him is to be so, so obviously most as to make our love for anyone else, or anything else, if you like, look like hate in comparison. That's, that's the force of what Jesus is saying. And verse 27, And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And when we talk these days of having a cross to bear, you might have heard people talk about, I have my cross to bear. Well, we're, we're normally, let's face it, talking about some minor irritation. It might be as small as an ingrowing toenail or something fairly insignificant, yeah? But in Jesus' day, if you saw someone carrying a cross, there was only one place they were going. And that was to a, a brutal and nasty death. And I want, I want us to remind ourselves this morning that a Christian is only ever saved by faith in that cross. Hallelujah for that. A Christian is only ever saved by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of their sins. But, I want to say this as well, with faith comes an attachment of walking his way. That might not mean surrendering our lives in a literal sense, 
Although for a lot of Christians around the world it does. But it does mean for any would-be true disciple allowing Jesus to dominate. To dominate every desire. Every hope. Every minute of every day. Every pound in my possession. All that I am. To allow Jesus to dominate those. Not me. Not to allow my heart and my desires to dominate. But him. It's what the Bible elsewhere calls dying to sin. And living by the spirit. We find that phrase so much in the New Testament. And Jesus says anyone whose love doesn't look like that. Cannot be my disciple. In fact he says it three times. Cannot be my disciple. Cannot be my disciple. Cannot be my disciple. And when he calls for that kind of commitment, it's because he knows what's at stake. And we really don't. We really don't. I was chatting with, with Ron in the week. We were chatting, weren't we, about the army, Ron. About commanding officers. Think about it like that, if you like. If you're a new recruit to the armed forces, you know, you're expected, aren't you, to, to listen to your commanding officer and what he says. Not because it's a nice thing to do, but because your life depends on it. Because he knows what you're going to face. He, he knows the score. He knows the stakes. And his orders to you are to do you good. We're not saved by do. We've said that. We're saved by what Jesus Christ has done. His finished work on the cross. But Jesus is causing us. He's, he's asking us to examine ourselves this morning as we consider his words. That's what he was doing to the crowd. And just as he was asking the crowd to examine themselves then, he asks us to examine ourselves this morning. So how would, what would it look like if we applied these words of Jesus to ourselves this morning? Notice that here commitment is defined by something given up verse 26 and also in, in something that you go after in verse 27 so let me ask you as I've asked myself this week these questions you put them up here what do you give up to follow Jesus and how closely does that come to giving up your own life the words that Jesus uses here or everything giving up everything verse 33 or what unpleasant thing do you do to follow Jesus how closely does that come to carrying the cross Jesus appeals for total commitment and that's because the stakes are too high for anything else. Friends, the stakes are too high for anything else. The parable stories that come after explain that commitment further. And if commitment requires action, which it certainly seems to here, then that action, first of all, requires listening and careful thought. And so the repeated message in both of the stories that Jesus gives is we've got to think very, very, very carefully. Disciples think very, 
very carefully. The word used in both of the stories for that is sitting down. It's the thing that came in both of the stories, did you notice? Verse 28 and verse 31, if you've got it there. In other words, Jesus is saying, sit down, slow down, think about it, apply yourself to what you hear. In the first story, picture somebody who started a building project only to find out they didn't have enough money to finish the job. And of course his, his friends and his neighbours mock him. And then picture a king who sends his troops into battle only to find out at the last minute that they're outnumbered two to one. And now it's too late to do anything about it. And the point is, if only they'd thought carefully about it. If only they'd thought carefully. Big decisions require careful thought, don't they? There are two big decisions in the stories there. One, when we moved here to, to speak, we had to calculate what we could afford before we made a commitment to buy a house. And so we, we had to produce oodles of spreadsheets and the bank who bought our house for us, wanted us to produce all of these things. We had to apply ourselves. We had to think very carefully through the decision that we were making. Or, or think about the situation in Syria um, that, 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 that's on the news. That's in the case this last week. It's not a, uh, I'm not going to make any political comments uh, because uh, I don't need to. What it's saying here is that we, we would expect anybody that was going to be engaged in any kind of warfare to sit and think about it carefully, wouldn't we? We expect that. It's, it's important. There are consequences. Lives are at stake. And Jesus says, you need to apply yourself to what I, what I say, to the things that I say in my, in my word to you. It's a message that we've, we've already come across in these last few weeks together. Do you remember, those of you that were here when we looked at the parable of the canny manager? He thought very, very carefully about the future. Do you remember? He was thinking carefully about the future. And he came up with a plan. And Jesus said, think carefully like that. And we struggled a little bit with that, didn't we? But he said, think carefully like that. Apply yourself. Really think. And in the book of Revelation, Jesus says to sleepy churches and sleepy Christians, wake up. Wake up! And, and the parable that we began with all those weeks back now, the two sons in Matthew 21. Do you remember what, the, what we said? The, 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 uh, the conclusion of those stories were, do what he says. Do what he says. And do requires thought, doesn't it? And resolve. That parable even began, what do you think? Jesus is constantly asking us that question. What do you think? Are you thinking? Are you listening? Are you thinking? Even, what does that, look, look at the last verse of our passage today. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus can't be more clear than, about it than this, can he? He says, are you listening? Are you really listening? Because he knows that commitment requires action. But action first requires listening and careful thought and resolve. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, 
I wonder if I ask you, what's yours like? What's your listening like when it comes to the things that God has to say to us? And you're thinking them through. And you're resolving on the basis of what, what he says. And then you're acting and then you're committing. You can't listen if you aren't here, for example. You, you can be here and not listen, too, of course. You can listen, but not think and resolve. What you, can, what you hear can go in one ear and can be out the other before we've even gone through the doors on a Sunday and we've gone out of the building. And without thoughtful thinking through and resolve and working through during the week what it is that God is saying from a heart that wants to follow him well then our action and our commitment will just wither like a piece of dried fruit on a branch just wither away that Jesus says disciples think very very carefully these are tough and challenging things that Jesus is saying aren't they but let me help you now because there's some beautiful beautiful things in here as well in the original, these parables are given as reasons. Although we don't see it in this NIV translation, in the original translation, verse 28 began with the word for. For, F-O-R. We might say because. Because. So Jesus demands total commitment. We've just seen that. And then we, say the, we ask the question, why? And then he says, because. In these stories. Why? Why is it that Jesus demands total commitment? Because, because he's totally committed to you. That is a great thing for me to be able to say to you this morning, because he is totally committed to you. And that's what these emblems are all about. The bread and the wine. That's why I can stand up here and say with absolute, total certainty, he is totally, totally committed to you. Secondly, because Jesus finishes what he starts as ridiculous the idea of starting a building project without weighing up the cost so impossible the idea that in the kingdom of God true disciples will ever be ashamed like the man in the story here impossible that there are no half built towers in the kingdom of God when you enter the kingdom of God by faith, you become God's workmanship. That moment. You become his work in progress. And he always finishes what he starts. The book of Philippians reminds us, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. If, if, your, commitment, if, if your commitment this morning has waned because you've given up on yourself, he hasn't given up on you. That's a wonderful thing to remember. He has not given up on you. And that there's, there's motivation for total commitment this morning, isn't it? Don't think about your commitment to him. Just focus your eyes on his commitment to you. You are his workmanship. He's not given up on you. That's why he calls you to total commitment. And thirdly, these parables remind us that Jesus is the already risen, reigning, conquering king. Like the king in the story here. Jesus is saying, as ridiculous the idea of going out to war outnumbers, as ridiculous as that would be, 
so impossible the idea that anybody could stand against King Jesus. I say to the morning, he is the king. He is the risen, ruling and reigning king. And when you throw your lot in with him, your whole lot, you're throwing it in with the winner. You are throwing it in with the winning king. And if you don't believe me, you say, prove it. Let me take you to the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. The Lamb, that's Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus died for our sins. That's what these emblems remind us of. But he didn't stay dead. He was raised to life. And he's reigning and ruling now. He is that conquering king. Why is anything less than total commitment to Jesus a crazy idea? Jesus gives us the reasons in these verses 28 to 33. Because he's totally committed to you. Listen very carefully to these reasons. Let me say them again. Because he's totally committed to you. Because he always finishes what he starts. That's great, isn't it? And because he is the king who was and is and is to come. He rules and reigns. That's reason enough, isn't it? When he says, when he says, I want your full commitment. It's in the light of those wonderful and glorious and praiseworthy truths, isn't it? It's not long reason to praise him this morning. Well, time's almost gone. I want you to pause just for a moment and think about those three things, though, before we, we, we finish up with those last two verses. Isn't that reason to praise God this morning? I'm not sure. I can see that in your eyes, but I hope it is. I hope it is in your hearts. That you can take those three wonderful truths away in the midst of these challenging words of Jesus Christ this morning. Because it's only through praise that our commitment will come. God tell you to commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and expect you to listen. But if you see all that he's done for you if you see these truths in reality then you will then you can well let me just let's just look at these last couple of verses together verses 34 and 35 you think the total commitment is a tough call and it is but here's an even more sobering thought that Jesus might stop calling you to total commitment. Yeah, that would be worse than Jesus calling you to total commitment. That he might stop calling you altogether. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's neither fit for the soil nor for the manure heap. It's thrown out. And it's chilling to think that by one compromise after another, we might actually stop hearing his call to commitment. And that he might give us over to what we want. The kind of half-baked commitment that we want. You see, big commitment is made up of small, everyday, muck-of-life stuff. 
even this afternoon, Jesus will bring you to a crossroads of a decision in something which will be completely ordinary and mundane. And his question in the middle of that crossroads of a decision will be what this question always is. Do you love me? Do do you love me above everything else? And it might seem like a small and insignificant thing that you're facing in that moment, but the question from Jesus is always the same. And by the end of the week, there will have been been a million of those decisions. And the question will always have been the same. You see, big commitment that Jesus is calling for here is made up of small, everyday choices and decisions. Jesus calls us to commit everything because everything matters. Which means that nothing in your life is insignificant. That's a great thing to remember as well, isn't it? Nothing in your life is insignificant to God. It all matters. In the tiny little things. And so I said here, really, these last verses are a reminder that disciples act with urgency. When we remember that, well, if we have within us that love, that desire to put him above all else, well, we won't even have to wait till tomorrow to be able to to prove that. In fact, we won't have to wait till this afternoon to be able to prove it. We can do that from the moment we... We can do that in our hearts now and as we step out here we will have an opportunity to prove that Jesus is the person that we love above everything else. Because it will happen in the small, what seem like the small and insignificant aspects of your life. That's where it will prove itself. That's where it is. That's a challenge but it's also great hope. Because it does mean that those small things matter to God. And it means that you can make a start. You can prove your love to him in the small everyday things of your life. And that's why we opened up thinking about William Booth. Remember William Booth? Everything in the circle. Everything in the circle belongs to God. It's not a call to sinless perfection because we couldn't do that. Let's be clear. It's a call to follow him wholeheartedly with all our hearts in daily repentance, obedience and faith. Today you've heard his word, and it's a challenging word, isn't it? Remember, Jesus is the one who knows all there is to gain, and all that there is to lose. And so it's through tears that he calls you to total commitment. He's totally committed to you. He will finish what he began. And he is the king, who is and was and is to come. So in the light of what you've heard this morning, let let me invite you to just, where you're sat, as an individual, just spend a few moments of quietness and speak to the Lord yourself about that which he has said to you through his word. And then we're going to have communion together.